Hello, hello, this is TJ Murphy, and welcome to another episode of Adventurous Entrepreneurs. My guest today is Matt Bockensteady. Matt is the founder and copywriter behind CopyLegends.com, a site dedicated to passing on original source copywriting wisdom, resources, and strategies for modern day writers. Copy Legends is one of the fastest growing ink slinging tribes around, with thousands of copywriters from around the world who enjoy his daily emails, including the likes of Gary Bensavenga, Drayton Bird, Brian Kurtz, David Deutsch, Bob Bly, Kim Krause Schwamm, and Doberman Dan, just to name a few. A few of the golden takeaways Matt shares in this episode are his lessons learned from the world's greatest copy legends and how you can apply their copywriting tricks to create sales messaging that drives action and how he grew his supplements company Transparent Labs to 5 million in 18 months without spending a dime on cold traffic. So without further ado, please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Matt Bockensteady. Welcome to the Adventurous Entrepreneurs Podcast. I'm your host, TJ Murphy. Since quitting my corporate nine to five and starting a business while backpacking through Asia back in early 2017, I've had the privilege of learning from some incredibly adventurous entrepreneurs. Through these conversations and my own journey, I've learned that much like in life, entrepreneurship is an adventure. On this podcast, I explore the journeys of top performing leaders in their fields. These wide ranging conversations include tactical business advice, how I built this insights, lessons in leadership, life hacks, travel stories, favorite hobbies, and insights into living a purposeful and joy-filled life. Adventures await us. So let's dive in. Hey, Matt, welcome to Adventurous Entrepreneurs. Hey, brother. It's a real pleasure to be here. Looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise, man. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. I'm excited to dive into some of the tactical stuff that has helped you scale multi-million dollar businesses like your first company, from my understanding, Transparent Labs. But before we dive into that, can you just tell us a little bit about your story leading up to you becoming the adventurous entrepreneur you are today? Yeah, so I'm Matt Bockenstead. I'm based down here in Orange County, California. And I, uh, it, it's kind of funny, you know, like I didn't have any real big entrepreneurs in my family. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. My dad worked as a, a corporate VP level job for 30 years of his career. And so uh it feels like Tim Ferriss really got me going on this when, when he started to get really big 10, 15, 20 years ago. And so I, you know, at the age of 18, I, I majored in entrepreneurship uh, in college after switching two or three different times, just trying to really dive into this thing that I had so much passion for this idea and concept of entrepreneurship, but I just really had no, no direct ties to no one to like really follow step by step. And so I dabbled in, everything from multi-level marketing to trying uh, a clothing and apparel business and just so many of these things that didn't really get any runway because I didn't really understand enough about how to do it right and then 2014 a very good buddy of mine we grew up together he came to me on New Year's Eve 2013 or 2012 he was like hey man I'd really love to start a supplement company with you I'm like all right I know who Tim Ferriss is. This guy's had some blockbuster success. And, and so this just happens to line right up with what I'm interested in. And now it feels really good to have a, a business partner, someone who's also in the industry or trying to figure it out for themselves. And uh, he was actually on Shark Tank. He landed a deal with Barbara Corcoran for a different nootropic no supplement. And um, we ended up starting a thermogenic weight loss supplement, just a single skew. We scaled that to six figures in the first year. Um, 
we did another type of supplement, single supplement, scaled that to six figures. And then the year after in 2014, we launched Transparent Labs, which was a full scale supplement business. We ended up scaling to $5 million in the first 18 months or so. And so that was really my first taste of success. And I like to put in air quotes when it comes to uh, this entrepreneurship thing, but it, it took me six, seven, eight years before one of those really stuck and and started rolling out in the way that it did. So it was a bumpy, bumpy journey at first as entrepreneurship typically is until you kind of get a better understanding of the game from being inside and having the felt experience of some type of win. And so for me, that came in 2013, 14, 15 in the supplement space. Yeah, man. It's crazy because I'm hearing like things that are very, you know, relevant in my life. Like my family, not entrepreneurial at all, pretty, you know, blue collar. My dad was a forestry guy. My mom worked for the hospital her whole career. I never had any aspirations of starting a business or becoming an entrepreneur. I love Tim Ferriss, definitely one of my mentors, people that have inspired me, also studied entrepreneurship. And we're going to have some fun with this conversation. So give me a bit of background on the supplements company. You scaled to 5 million in 18 months or so without a dollar spent on cold traffic, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, How old were you when you when you found that success with that company? And what enabled you to scale that baby up so quickly without paying the dime for advertising? Yeah, so I was 25, 26 uh, at that time when we got started. And originally, my partner and I, for the very first supplement, the, the, the weight loss supplement, we had both started supplement review blogs back in the day. And so neither of us had any experience with media buying or anything like that. Um, and so we started these supplement review sites. We had a pretty good understanding of how organic search engine optimization worked with Google. And what's really nice about supplements in particular is it's a very high intent type of product. So if you're looking for a specific supplement, what most people do is they'll go on to Google and say top 10 pre-workouts or best, best protein powder for women that's whatever it may be. So when you go and you're looking for those, you know, a top 10, there's typically a lot of intent there to purchase something. So you want a ranking, you want to know the pros, the cons, which one you should buy. And so we had started these supplement review blogs where we were making some, some outside income from affiliates, from other type of things that we were prom promoting on there, but we realized, you know, Smart. and we had built our product to be in our eyes, superior to others out there. So we were able to rank our own products on our own supplement review sites, which helped to generate a lot of organic traffic. And so when we had launched Transparent Labs, my partner and I, we, we reached out to this guy who had at the time probably the largest supplement review blog on, on the internet. And so we're like, hey, all of us are in this space. We do a lot of research. We all have these content blogs where we're constantly talking about supplements and the ingredients and the dosages and things. And so we have a very high quality kind of 30,000 foot view of the industry and the products and stuff that are out there. And so we came together on the idea of transparent labs and there's a lot of stuff in the supplement industry that is, can be shady for lack of a better word, proprietary blends, sure. non clinically dosed ingredients and stuff like that. So we, we came really into the industry together, the three of us for transparent labs with this philosophy of like, we're not going to hide anything really like the name transparent labs is the philosophy of the brand. So it's, we're going to provide all of the clinical research. Every single ingredient is going to be clinically dosed. We're going to show our third-party labs that show that what's in our ingredient panel is actually in the tub that you receive. And so this had really taken off between the three of us with our the organic reach we had on the search engine result pages. 
as soon as we turned it on, we were doing $5,000 a day, right? Because we had Bam. all three of these sites and there was so much positive reinforcement when somebody says, or, you know, top 10 pre-workout, they see transparent labs, they open up another thing and they say pre-work, you know, tra transparent labs, pre-workout review. And then they see eight other sites listing us in the top one, two to three spots for similar related searches. That was how we did it with really no upfront costs in terms of advertising, but on the back end, we were willing to pay a generous commission to, who had, who, to whoever had sent us the uh, customer. You know, they're our way of thanking them for helping to expand their business. So that's how we were able to do it, spending all of the money on the back end after we acquired the customer rather than spending the money to acquire the customer on the front end. Yeah, it's brilliant because you took the time to actually understand your customer, knowing that when people buy supplements, they're doing their research. They're going out, they're reading the blogs. So then learning the fundamentals of SEO, building your own eco chamber of sites where people are going to see you create that social proof where you're showing up one, two, three across multiple sites that you own, but then also reaching out, creating those strategic partnerships, investing in relationships, as opposed to paying for Google or Facebook to promote your stuff and being transparent through it all, which is definitely something that continues to be and, and certainly was not the norm in the supplements industry. I can see why that was a recipe for success, man. Yeah, it was, it was honestly, it was, it was the perfect setup at the perfect time, you know, and now uh, I'm, I'm sort of dabbling getting back into the supplement space. And what I'm, I'm looking at is I'm, I'm looking through a lot of these products. It feels like Transparent Labs really started a trend. I can't say that we were the first because that would be too hard to quantify. There's so many different products and supplement lines out there. But one of the big trends I'm seeing now is like clinically dosed, non-proprietary blend and, you know, ingredient panels, which is great, right? We're living in a, in a time where the conscious consumer is starting to rise to the top where people are looking at the labels on the food that they're buying. They're yeah. looking at the type of packaging that they're buying with the, you know, the intention of buying less plastic or whatever it may be, and just being more conscious of what they're putting in their body. And the consumer has a right to know everything that, that's going into their body and the dosages. And so that whole trend of kind of getting rid of the proprietary blends was the first non-starter for us and it's, it worked out incredibly well and it's a trend that i'm starting to see all across the industry now yeah no 100 percent. consumers are smarter now than ever before with just the amount and access to information that we have and most people want to do what's right for the planet what's going to be good for their bodies their family's bodies and are willing to put in that extra work to make sure that whoever they're doing business with whatever they're buying is actually going to check all those boxes so Let's fast forward a bit. And there may be some things that went into you know, writing these blogs and creating sites that kind of helped you in this other pursuit that you're doing. So you transitioned away from supplements into the craft. And this is totally new lingo for me, which I picked up on your LinkedIn profile, ink slinging, aka copywriting. Yep. Tell me a little bit more about where things are at for you today. What, what has your focus right now? Yeah, so early 2017, I ended up selling my shares in all of the supplement industry or in all of the supplement businesses uh, yeah. for, for low seven figures. And so I was able to take some time off um, from really having to worry about the income, right? And there was some personal stuff going on. I got sober during that time. Um, and so early 2020, I got into what's known as copywriting. Most often people think copyright as in trademarks, right? Yeah. And so copywriting is different in that 
copywriting is essentially salesmanship in print, right? So any, any words that you use to sell anything, whether it's on a sales page, whether it's the product descriptions on Amazon, whether it's the words you read across a billboard, any type of words that are designed to sell is essentially copywriting. And so early in 2020, I was kind of trying to figure out my next thing, what I wanted to do. And the irony that I landed in copywriting was for all of the supplements, Transparent Labs included, I was in charge of all the words and numbers, right? Okay. My partner handled all of the fulfillment, the inventory, everything on the back end with the manufacturer. So we just kind of agreed. It's like, hey, I'm the, I'm the better writer here. So I'll put all of the copy on the, on the site. And so I was doing that at a time when I didn't know what copywriting was. And so, or what a copywriter did. In fact, it was just like, hey, you're better at that. You take that. I'll take this stuff. And so early 2020, I landed on this guy's site, uh, Joe Vitale, mrfire.com. And I started looking at some of these. He had a lot of articles written about really old school copywriters like David Ogilvy, Claude Hopkins from the 50s, all the way back to the early 1900s. And I spent the entire weekend. I probably went through 60 or 80 of his blog posts reading wow. about all of these old school guys. And I was just enamored with it and i and i so that weekend it, it just kind of sparked it's like man i have this really deep passion for old school copywriting and learning what i can from the old school guys and understanding how i can use that and transmute that into something that can be used today and so copy legends was born really this idea of the copy legends right the old school guys who were masters at their craft at writing copy and really being able to they really gave birth to the industry that we know today. Anybody who sells via advertising comes from like these guys were the original source for that. Everything that advertising and copywriting is today came from these old school guys that really gave birth to these industries. And so I had so much passion for these guys and I started, you know, reading some of their old books and trying to collect some of their old ads and stuff like that. And something that's really big for aspiring copywriters is one thing that we teach is like, to go and, and read the old ads, right? These guys had it so much harder. Now we can we can publish an ad on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. We can get somebody right right in their home on their phone any time of day. These yeah. guys had to write without you know through newspapers and magazines. They had one page. They had a finite amount of space. They didn't get to click to sell more. They didn't have video sales letters or VSLs or anything like that. Like these guys had it the hardest, and they were the most talented at it because it just took the raw skill of being able to write something on a page with the intention of getting someone to take that next sales advancing step, whatever that may be. And in their time, it was typically like, Hey, put some money in an envelope, send it here and we'll ship something back to you. Right. Yeah. So that's where copy legends really began is curating all of these old school ads and sales letters from these copy legends to be able to package those for aspiring copywriters today to really understand the foundation of the craft that they're trying to pursue and get good at. Yeah, absolutely. And another smart move, like you said, it was a lot harder to get people to take action back in the day. Right now we're spoiled. We can get instant feedback. We can A-B test. We have almost instantaneous data to be able to tell us if something's working or not. Whereas the OGs back in the day, like you said, they had to wait for that money to come through the mail before they knew if something was working or not. So yep. like in many things, success leaves clues. And you, know, you described copy is... It's a direct conversation with the consumer. It's storytelling, it's salesmanship that drives people to take action. So it's so much more than just words on a page, whether that's print or digital. And I'd love to hear kind of scratching my own inch as a marketer, what, what do you look for 
when you're writing great copy or like how do pro copywriters really find that secret sauce? And are there any frameworks or principles, philosophies that you follow when you're writing good copy? Yeah, it's, it's fascinating. You know, what I've realized uh, through a good friend of mine, Ian Stanley, it's like, there are these specific type of skills, these exponential income skills and copywriting is one of them, right? Because as an entrepreneur, anybody watching this, this podcast or, or tuning into this, it's like your objective ultimately is going to be to sell something that you've created, whether it's a product or service, whether it's digital or physical. And so the ability to use your words to deliver your message, to inspire action in these other people. It's a type of skill that goes with you everywhere you're going to go, right? And so, because copywriting, as an entrepreneur, if I were to go out and to hire somebody for a sales letter, it could be 10, 20, 30, $40,000. But now that I've got this skill, it's, right, it's something that I can do. And so getting into these other industries outside of teaching copywriting or marketing or any type of make money online type of biz op type of thing, it's like now I can go and if I start another supplement company, now I can sit down and write the copy myself. And so a lot of it really un- comes down to understanding really this, this whole human experience, right? Like, and so the more experiences I have as a copywriter, the more I'm able to relate to other people, particularly the people that I'm trying to ultimately connect with and deliver my message to. And so one of the key points is to understand that like people justify with logic and they make decisions and and make decisions based on logic and they justify with emotion, right? And so being able to understand both the logical side of the argument, the emotional side of the argument, when to pull on these strings and how to do it in this way. Sales copy is essentially the art of assembling a sales message, right? So there's, it can be broken down into pieces, right? Like you're familiar with like a headline. The headline is always going to be at the top of a sales letter or whatever it may be. The next part is the opening or the lead, which is where you're really trying to capture and keep their attention based on the headline. And so the most powerful concept of copywriting that I can share is that the objective of every line is simple. And that's just to get the reader to read the next line, yeah, the next line, the next line, right. With attention being so scarce and hard to capture in this day and age with so much technology, the real true test of the copywriters, how long can you keep somebody interested in the message? And one of my favorite quotes, there's a difference between like long copy which is like a long sales page. You've probably seen it online when you bought something and you're scrolling and you're scrolling and it doesn't never seem to end. And then there's, there's short copy, short form copy, which is much shorter than that. And, and there is no definitive line between that. But one concept that I heard that, that really changed everything for me as a copywriter is copy is not long or short. Copy is either interesting or uninteresting. Yeah. Right. You go, you go and read your favorite book that's 60,000 words because it interests you, because it keeps you engaged. If you, if you don't finish reading a Facebook ad that has 200 words, it's not, it's not because it's too short or too long. It's because it's too uninteresting interesting. to the reader. And so as a copywriter, that's really the, the thing that you're trying to do is how do you keep their interest and maintain it until you can deliver your entire sales message, whatever it may be. So if you were to sit down and you know, let's just say you're going to create the copy for a Facebook ad, what would be your kind of high level step-by-step process for doing that? One strategy that I like to start with, especially something like this, is is it's sort of it's called like the if then qualifier. And so to qualify people. So it's like the headline, say this was a video ad you're scrolling through, and it's like, hey, if you're an entrepreneur, then the adventurous entrepreneurs podcast is something you really have to listen to, right? So it's if this, if you qualify for this, then 
here's why you're going to like it. Yeah. Right. And then inside this recent episode with Matt Bach and said, we're going to talk about the 10 different things you can do to start a supplement company, what it means to be a copywriter, how you can use that as an exponential income skill to dramatically improve your conversion rates, blah, 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 blah. Right. So it's, there's, and there's so many different types of formulas it can be, whether it's AIDA, attention, interest, desire, action. And so there's, there's a, a multitude of different formulas that you can use. But for a Facebook ad like that, something quick off the top of my head is the if then qualifier where you call them out. Hey, if you're an entrepreneur, then you're going to love this podcast. Here's why. Boom, 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 boom. Click here to listen right now. It's free. You're set. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. Like you said, there are so many you know, frameworks out there, the AIDA. But what I like about what you gave as an example is it's qualifying the person right off the gate. Like we want to associate with our tribe. So, oh yeah, I'm an entrepreneur. I got to read this. There might be something in here that's you know, important to me. So having that framework just right off the get-go, every marketer should put that into their, their toolbox. Yeah, and that's a good lead for my next question because I'd be curious to hear what you see most brands, marketers, people in general, just flat out missing when it comes to writing good sales copy. Yeah, there's a big emphasis on, so, okay, so one example would be the difference between products and features, right? There are plenty of copywriters and marketers out there that are going on and on about the features of their product, rather than the benefits that are derived from that product and those features, right? So it's this, it's like, why does somebody buy a drill? or a quarter inch drill bit. It's not for the drill bit, it's for the hole. Why do they need the hole? Well, so they can hang a picture of their family. Well, why do they want a picture of their family? So every time they walk in, in the front door after a long day at work, it's that instant relief. Like, hey, I'm home with my people, my family, dinner, whatever it may be, right? So it's understanding like the outcomes that you're trying to deliver rather than the features. So instead of selling you, hey, here's a quarter inch drill bit, it's like, hey, here's the relief you get from seeing that beautiful portrait of your family as soon as you walk in the front door after a long day at work, Friday afternoon, it's the weekend and you get to spend the entire weekend with your family, right? So it's sort of the difference between the feature, which is a quarter inch drill bit versus the benefit. You get to create your own environment, however you want, wherever you're at, your home, your office, whatever it may be. And so that's a big thing that I see a lot in copywriting and ads and, and the marketing that I see is speaking to the features rather than the benefits and the outcomes that you're ultimately trying to sell your prospect on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you see it all the time. It's not the, uh, the 12 hour battery life that somebody's buying. It's that, Oh, in the middle of their job, they're not going to have to get disrupted and take a break to go plug in the battery and wait an hour while it charges itself. It's getting more done in less time. So, or you're on vacation and it's like, Hey, here's 12 hours of uninterrupted adventure. Go out and live your best life, capture as much as you can without worrying about having to cut the day short or find a coffee shop to go and sit down and plug in, whatever it may be. It's like selling the uninterrupted adventure perhaps. So there's, there's so many different ways to look at it, but that was a great example you gave. Yeah. Love it. All right, Matt. So this is a podcast about entrepreneurship, but one of the biggest hurdles that most successful entrepreneurs are going to face at one time or another is living a well-rounded life and doing the things that bring us joy with the people that we care about most. So I'd love to hear what does living a well-rounded life look like for you? And what are some of your favorite hobbies, adventures, things that do bring you joy? 
Yeah, that's it's a great question, particularly because entrepreneurship can be lonely. It can be lonely and hard, especially if your friends and your family, maybe your romantic partner isn't as into it as you. But there's sure. a lot of weight that we carry as an entrepreneur. It's like we take full ownership of the results of, of this path that we're taking from financial to serving our people to perhaps taking care of employees. There's a lot of weight and a lot of pressure on here. And so over the last four years, since I've, I've been sober, well-roundedness and balanced sort of looks like seven different pillars for me. And, and I, I kind of see them as like the seven pillars of, of my kingdom. And really everybody has these pillars, right? It's physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, sexual, relational, and financial, right? And so there's so many different aspects of our life where if one of these is severely out of balance, things can start, you know, if your finances are, are in a real place of struggle, it's, it's hard to keep everything else balanced. And so for me, it's been a lot of self-study in these different types of areas and really practicing the awareness to understand, like, if something's going on for me, something is out of whack and something is out of balance in one of these pillars. And so balance for me is the awareness to understand when something is off, where it's off. So I know where to really prioritize my focus and my energy to address whatever it may be in that area. And for me, getting back in the gym and getting on the hockey rink, I'm a hockey player. Those are some of the most meditative spaces for me to turn this off, right? Because when, when there's something going on and we're so focused on fixing the problem, the more we try to force that solution, the further away it seems to get from us, or at least for me personally. And so in terms of hobbies and being able to get myself back on track, doing something physical, sweating, getting outside the gym or on the hockey rink, those typically support me the most. Yeah, no, it resonates with me, man. I'm, I'm the same way. Like after a, a long day of work, the best thing for me is going out on my mountain bike for a good hour and a half, just getting in that flow state, it's hard to think about work when you're, you know, going 30 miles an hour downhill. So because you can't either, right? Like yeah. doing what you're doing requires all of your focus and all of your attention intention. Otherwise, maybe you're going hand, you know, head over heels on the exactly. The so yeah, exactly. And, you know, just making the time for those things. There's always you can always fill your hours with work, especially as an entrepreneur. There's there's always more to do, but figuring out how to blend the two so that you can fill yourself up over here and that's going to create more high quality work that allows you to serve your people at a much higher level. And part of our you know focus again through this podcast is looking at entrepreneurship through the lens of being an adventure. And in every great adventure story, there's a guide or, or mentor who leads the hero down the path to their ultimate goal. Are there any mentors or influential people that have had an impact in your life and really helped shape you into the adventurous entrepreneur you are today? You know, it's interesting. I was, I was I'm thinking over this. There's, there's been a handful of people like Tim Ferriss in, in a very indirect way, but more directly, there hasn't been a, like an in-person mentor for me. For me, it was really an experience. And that experience was um, struggling with addiction for five years and getting sober from that. So in a way you could say like my, my greatest mentor was that past version of me. Yeah. And then this version of me who, who made those decisions. Um, 
and the reason I, it, it taught me so much, right? Cause I had built this multi-million dollar business. I was making more money than I ever knew what to do with at 25, 26 years old. And then all of a sudden it was, it was gone. Right. So I, it, it just, it taught me so much about perspective, about the human experience, about taking care of what you've built and not taking it for granted. That was something that I had done with transparent labs and all the success that we had, we had built it so well that if, me and my partners didn't show up for an entire month. The business would have continued to grow. We would have continued to make money. And so amazing. it was, it was a lot going on in those early days. It, it kind of jaded me to what was really going on. You know, when I'm in that situation again, I'm going to have an entirely different perspective about what's going on and how to take care of that. And myself during such a, a big pivotal volatile time, you know, we, we think a lot about like, what do we do when things get the hardest? But as an entrepreneurship, as an entrepreneur also, I encourage you to think like, what do I do when things are up here? Because it, it's, it's an equal kind of experience from being down here just on the opposite end of it. And so it shook me, you know, like with so much going on, so much money coming in. And so, yeah, to answer your question, I'd say it was my experience of getting sober. That was really my greatest mentor to where I am in my life today and entrepreneurship as, as a whole journey. Yeah. No, amazing, man. And then mad props to you for being able to do that. Thank you for sharing. And if you don't mind me asking, like, was the struggle with addiction, you know, that I don't want to even label it as a failure, but having that low point, how do you feel like that helped shape the momentum that ultimately took you to where you are now? Yeah, uh, no, it's a great question. Um, to put it bluntly, I, I should be dead right now right like that's that's the truth of the, of the story that i was in and, and how deep it was and um so i wouldn't be here today i wouldn't be the entrepreneur i am the the man that i am today without those experiences and so really there's so much about the empathy aspect that i've learned from that um being of service was probably one of the greatest pillars that came through for me on the other side of that knowing how much support and service I needed when I was going through something like that. And so as an entrepreneur, it's easy to almost just switch the lens and to put my, myself in the perspective of who I'm trying to serve and almost to look at it the same way. So knowing how, how much service and support I needed when I needed help to get out of my addiction, almost seeing it's like, hey, everything that we build as entrepreneurs is designed to serve somebody and, and a pain point that they have. Really, what we're doing here is taking somebody away from pain and towards pleasure. Yeah. Right. And so being able to empathize with whatever it is, whatever problem it is that I'm trying to build a company around to solve, being able to put myself in that position and knowing how much that support meant. And so the idea that's come out of this is like when you build something that genuinely serves a group of people, it is a disservice, a genuine disservice not to sell it to them, not to create it for them, not to deliver it to them. And so that's really one of the one of the big things that, that I've come through these last several years in this recent chapter of entrepreneurship is selling is serving when it's done with you know authenticity and a genuine desire to support them in whatever whatever the problem is that your product or service helps to to solve. Yeah, man, that was a lesson that one of my mentors, Franco Urbias, taught me was just when you have something of value. It, it is that disservice to not share it. You need to be fully confident in your ability to deliver. Like if you know you can help someone, you got to go out there and do it. 
And yeah. as long as it brings you joy as well, I mean, don't, don't do something if it, if it doesn't actually fill you up, but you know, if it checks those two boxes, it's, it's your mission to, to go out and serve. And yeah. there's this thing with entrepreneurs I've seen in sales in general, it's like the concept of sales is a really, it's a really itchy, itchy subject for some, right? Like the idea of selling something gives people the creeps and it's like, I don't want to do that. And so for anybody yeah. who, may resonate with that type of mental model. It's like, think of something sometime that you desperately needed help or a product that you bought that you desperately needed and imagine what your life would be like without that, right? And the only reason you have it is because somebody who may or may not have felt similar to, to you or what we had just discussed, it's like they chose to sell it because yeah. it would have been a genuine disservice not to. And so imagine your life without that solution and imagine you then putting that on to somebody else who desperately needs what you have to offer. So, yeah, that mindset shift was huge for me. I mean, salesmanship in general, again, going back, I did not come from an entrepreneurial family. I had no sales experience whatsoever when I started my business. So, you know, for a while, the, the sales, it just, it didn't feel natural. It, it felt kind of, you know, icky, if you will. It wasn't, it wasn't my flow state at all, but like any craft, you know, the more you hone it and the more confident you are in your ability to deliver results or sell an exceptional product, whatever the case may be, it becomes a lot easier when you have that. So as we kind of wrap things up here, Matt, knowing everything you've learned now throughout multiple business startups and just your journey as a whole, what advice would you give yourself back when you were about to start that first supplements company? And what would you tell yourself to ignore potentially? And the biggest thing is, the first thing I'll say is start with your who, right? Yeah. Always start with the who, build your business off of the who rather than a what. I've gotten stuck in this loop and I've been going through a lot of training um, with some, you know, these eight and nine figure entrepreneurs and what they teach and stuff. And something that I was reminded of is like, when you start with a product, you're not starting in the right place. And so with this supplement idea that I've had, like I, I was thinking about starting with like adaptogenic uh, mushrooms, right? It's like mushrooms, lion's mane, things like that. They're really big business right now. They're huge. I, I know I can create a brand around that. And I'm, I wasn't starting with the who, right? So there wasn't a lot of passion for me there. And there's going to ultimately be some type of misalignment. So the first thing I would say is start with your who. Get a very clear understanding of who it is you're trying to serve and what really what transformation you're trying to support them through. Like what is what is the transformation arc that you're trying to help the specific type of person through? And then like what are three or four products that you can you can build along the way? And that's really like the key to building a million dollar business, right? Like Ryan Moran from capitalism.com, his his big formula is like three or four products around a $30 price point, 25 sales a day. So when you break down like the concept of a million dollar business, it can really be done with selling four products around 30 bucks, 25 times a day. And so when you're very clear on your who and this transformational journey that you're trying to put them through, what are the different steps along the way? And then what products can you create to support them on that journey? And so when you're clear on the who, the what becomes very, very clear. And so, yeah. 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 Break it down into its simplest parts. And then it's amazing, right? Once you have those, you know, the who and the transformation, the what just kind of clicks into place in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. That's as, that's as easy as it gets. And really as, as hard as it needs to be, right? Like as entrepreneurs, we're really good at making it hard, <laughs> taking in input from so many different areas that we have no 
like we just don't understand where to start because there's so much input yeah it's like how can you simplify like what is the simplest question you're trying to answer it's like well who do i serve what journey are they on what transformation are they trying to make what product can i support them with to start that you know and so breaking every step down to the the most simple question is a really great way to release a lot of the burden that we put on ourselves trying to figure it all out in one fell swoop yeah don't get distracted by all the shiny objects and noise and complexity out there keep it simple well, Matt, is there, is there anything else you'd like to share, man? Any impactful life lesson or, or piece of advice you've received along your journey thus far that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, I think one thing is like, if, if you know deep in your bones that you're meant to do this, to be an entrepreneur, to kind of create the freedom around your life, it's like, follow your intuition, you know, give it a shot. And, and it's not going to be easy at first. And you may fall on your face. I did for six, seven, eight years, you know, but I wouldn't trade this life or those experiences for anything. Because the number one thing that we're after here as entrepreneurs is freedom, right? The freedom to not set the alarm in the morning, the freedom to choose what you want to do with your day, you know, the, the freedom to perhaps on the money side, not have to look at the, uh, the price of something when you buy it, whatever it means. It's like freedom means something different to all of us, but really ultimately that's what we're, we're after as entrepreneurs. And so, my advice would be to follow your, follow your intuition, trust yourself and give it a shot, you know, go all in before you make the decision to switch yeah. sides or anything like that, you know? So. Yeah. Follow it, man. The, the cost of freedom is there. It's, it's not an easy price to pay. There's going to be stumbling moments along the way, a lot of hard work, but that journey as well is what is going to hone you into the person that you want to become. So Man, where can we find you and, and support you online? Website, socials, things like that. Any copywriting resources that our audience can tap into? Yeah, so copylegends.com. Um, I've got one of the largest curated collections of old school ads and sales letters and a ton of resources on really how to become a world-class copywriter stemming from this original source, these old school copy legends. And so um, I put that all inside of a, a community app that's mobile and desktop friendly. And so if you're interested in that, I would be happy to share that with all of your, your readers. You can go to copylegends.com. If you opt in and then reply to my first email that you get and just say, TJ sent me, I'll go ahead and send you a direct access link so you can get access to all of that. Um, no matter what type of business you're running, you're going to need copy at some point, right? You're going to need salesmanship and print to sell, whether it's on your website or product descriptions or via email or whatever it is. And so that's my give for you guys for tuning in and having me on the show. Dude, that's amazing, brother. Really, really grateful for that. That's going to be super valuable. We'll drop all of that in the show notes for everyone listening. And I definitely recommend that they check it out. I know I will be subscribing to that right away. So this was a blast, brother. I I enjoyed getting to know you a bit and really appreciate you sharing so much value with our audience. So thanks for coming on the show, man. Such a pleasure. To all of our adventurous listeners, thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Please be sure to subscribe, download, and share this on social media or with someone you know will get some value from it. Leaving a review goes a long way in helping people find the show. And I personally appreciate reading them when they come in. So please go drop one if you have the time. We'll see you all next week. And remember, whether we're talking about business or the things that bring us joy outside of work, life is meant for exploring. 
So go out there and live it one adventure at a time.